Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. Well, I hope all is well with you today. It is another sunny Saturday morning here in North Carolina, and this episode is brought to you by our sponsor, Jeremy Clevenger Fitness, who we featured on episode 145. If you've listened to the show for a while, you know that Jeremy helped me get in the best shape of my life in 2022. And if you're planning on working on your health and fitness goals in 2023, I encourage you to put Jeremy in your corner to help you as well. There are links in the show notes to find all of his services. I have another great show lined up for you today, but before we get started, I just want to remind you to check out the leadership books I've written either on Amazon or my website, johnsrenny.com. This year, I'm offering a new way to purchase all of my books for a discount. I bundled the books into what I call the Qualified Watchstanders series, and you get all three books for 15% off the individual prices. Now, this offer is only available on my website, so check it out if you're looking to step up your leadership game in 2023. Also, as a reminder, Deep Leadership is ranked in the top 2% most popular shows out of 3 million podcasts globally and is now ranked in the top 100 management podcasts in the U.S. Thanks to your support. I want to thank each and every one of you for listening in every week and sharing these episodes with your friends. You have helped this podcast grow into a top performing show, so thank you very much. Well, that is it. Today, we're going to be talking about the Rainmaker's Dilemma and how, as a business leader, your greatest strength often becomes a major weakness. My guest is Bradley Hamner. Bradley joins us to talk about how to get out of the weeds and focus on the big picture. If you find yourself overwhelmed, overworked, and exhausted as a leader, this is your episode. So, are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. Welcome to Deep Leadership. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former Cold War submarine officer who spent 20 plus years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Are you ready for some real world actionable advice from John as well as his expert guests? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. The show starts right now. Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Bradley Hamner. Bradley is a business growth coach who has developed a system to help business leaders get their time back. He shows them how to get out of the weeds of their company's day-to-day activities and build a business that is valuable for both the owner and the investors. And I am excited to have him on the show to talk about how business owners can escape the rainmaker's dilemma. We're going to talk about what that means in a bit. But uh, Bradley, welcome to the show. John, great to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you on the show. Great to meet you. And I'm really excited about this topic because I probably have fallen into this trap of a rainmaker's dilemma. We're going to talk about that in a bit. But first of all, tell us about your background. What type of businesses have you gotten involved with? Have you owned? Tell us a little bit about your own personal entrepreneurial journey. Well, uh, whenever I was young, my father is an entrepreneur, small business owner. He's in the farming business and um, just allergies and other things and probably just interest in life uh, led me down a different path to where I was just not going to follow in my father's footsteps. But some of the things that I learned from him were caught, not necessarily taught. Mm -hmm. I mean, my work ethic from my father. I absolutely, and still to this day, he's one of the hardest working people that I know. And I'm so grateful for that, what that instilled in in me from him and just seeing the hours that he put in and, and how much he loved 
I mean, he wouldn't have used this language, but how much he just loved being a small business owner and, you know, working, of course, in farming, you're, you're spending time in the mornings, uh, certainly late at night, trying to get the, the crops out of the field before a storm comes, or you've got a freeze coming and you've got to be able to get the crops out or, or vice versa, be able to plant, you know, during a certain windows of time. And so I, I saw that commitment from my father and really, again, he, he I, I caught it more than he taught it to me. And so I started my very first business. I took the entrepreneurial leap, as some people have shared, in 2009. Uh, we opened our doors in 2010. That's an insurance agency. was my very first business. And I started with no customers, no leads, and very little cash in the bank. Specifically, about $40,000 is what I started mm -hmm. with. And wow. I spent most of that uh, with... Uh, furniture and a bunch of things that actually did not matter at the time. I mean, I needed, <laughs> I needed the office to look a certain way. Uh, and come to find out I was spending money on those things versus spending money on the things that were actually going to bring the business in. And so like for most people, when you start out on that, on that journey, look, I did what I knew to do. My previous careers up to that point had all been in sales. And so I went and just worked my tail off. And uh, those first, really the first four years, I was the number one producer in my business by far. And I don't say that proudly. I say that as, well, that's what I needed to do to get the business off the ground. Mm. And so ultimately in 2015, I uh, went to work out. I was doing a little CrossFit at the time. I was on a CrossFit kick and um, I'd had my morning coffee, got there around six went for a light jog around the parking lot as we normally did. And I started to feel pains in my chest and I was 34 at the time. Mm. And uh, I got a little concerned and ultimately that led me into a panic attack. Now I didn't know what a panic attack was at that, at that point. And so I ended up going to seeing an internal medicine physician friend of mine who ended up referring me to a cardiologist and went through a battery of tests. And, you know, the doctor said, look, you're 34, nothing's wrong with your heart. What in the world's going on with you? And I was burning it morning, noon, and night all the time, seven days a week, doing everything I could from sales, customer service. And I felt like everything was almost like a hub that everything had to run through me, mm. every single yeah. customer the onboarding of the customers, a lot of times the servicing of the customers, et cetera. Now I had a team, I'd built, a, had a couple of people at that point, but I just really had not learned how to delegate. All I knew was just to be able to sell. And so at the time I did not have this language, of course, and it took many years to kind of begin to get out of that. But my greatest strength as an entrepreneur really was becoming a debilitating weakness in my business. And that was key for me is I realized I ran out of time. So what got the business off the ground was what needed to be done. Right. But right. ultimately what was going to start to actually grow it past that. And I'll just give you specific numbers. I mean, a few hundred thousand dollars, um, maybe three, four hundred thousand dollars was about where I was capping it for that particular business. Now, some yeah. of the businesses I've I've been a part of they cap more closer to a million or something like that before you run out of time. But ultimately I needed to make the transition from being the rainmaker of my business. Mm. And many founders, entrepreneurs can attest to that. I didn't again have that language at the time 
and I needed to transition to becoming the architect of my business. Now, since then, I've been a part of um, a, a few different coaching companies. I was part of an aesthetics company and, and, and a few other things that I've had ventures into at that at that point. But that is, um, you know, it's one thing to be able to do it yourself, make the transition. And then also, how do you can you help other people in making the same transition themselves? And so I think last thing I'll say for this, I've been very surprised how many people have actually uh, related to that story. Hmm. And they say, yeah, that was kind of me. And so a lot of the people that we work with are actually very successful. I mean, some of them are, are, are struggling, but most of them are very successful business owners and founders. And they get to a point to where they just get burnt out and hmm. they almost start to resent the business because they say, this is not what I signed up for. Hmm. Yeah, I'm making a good money. I'm making... $250,000 a year, but man, I'm exhausted. I'm tired. And I don't know how to unravel what it is where I'm at today based on, cause what I did was working. Does that make sense? Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. I mean, as an entrepreneur, I can sort of, uh, feel that, uh, I know that, uh, you know, um, you know, I feel like everything revolves around me in a sense, right. I mean, I'm the HR manager, I'm the sales manager, I'm the, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm the IT guy, I'm the website guy, I'm, you know, I'm everything in, in the company, even though we have a, you know, a good sized team, but, uh, but everything sort of revolves around me. And that's what I was going to ask you when you say, when we say, uh, um, what is the, define what the rainmaker dilemma is. We heard a little bit about it in your definition, but explain what that is for people that maybe haven't heard of that before. Yep. So the rainmaker dilemma really is your greatest strength can become a debilitating weakness mm. in your business. And so if we had a graph up, then oftentimes the architect's business may, let's just say we have two people, similar skill sets, start a business at the exact same time. One of them's the rainmaker, one of them's the architect. And the mm. way I want you to think about the graph is revenue, number of customers goes up over time. The architect's business may start off a little slower because they're building certain systems, processes in place. And we, we can talk about even just that. A lot of times people will say, oh, well, I need to work on, not in. Well, yes, that's part of it, but that's not everything. So we can discuss that if you want to. But the Rainmaker's business will start off a lot faster yeah. because they are so skilled at being able to have these conversations with customers. It's the thing that gets the business off the ground. The problem is with this is that business flatlines. At some point, that owner, founder, entrepreneur, owner, leader, they run out of time. Yeah, that's where that's where the architect can continue to scale that mm. and grow that business because they've built the things on a solid foundation that's not reliant upon them and their time. Okay, this is a this is a really important point because I think I see it a lot when I meet and talk with small business owners. Uh, similarly, your story is the same story I've heard. I mean, I've got good friends who are entrepreneurs and they are, they're burnt out. They're working 24 seven, yep. trying to get their, keep their business afloat. And uh, they, and a lot of business, businesses flatline, like you say, and never get to the next level because it's all on the owner's shoulders. The, the guy who founded or the other uh, gal that founded the business puts, and this is what we need to do as business leaders. You put the whole business on your shoulders and you go, you climb the mountain, right? Mm -hmm. But at some point, as you say, you're, uh, that's not going to be good enough to scale the business. You're only going to get to a certain level on the back, on your own back alone. 
Yeah. And, and again, I, I kind of mentioned this earlier, different companies will flatline at different times based on the industry, the type of business it is, et cetera. So I will tell you that I think that number is, is roughly a million or less. Okay. Mm. Yes. There are these unicorns out there. It's like, oh, they can scale it to 2 million off your back, your back alone. Mm. But that is very few and far between. So I think the number sits between half a million and a million. I mean, well, I just talk, was talking to a business owner last week. He's about 700,000. He is the primary rainmaker of that business. He makes a quarter of a million dollars a year and he is toast. He's mm. toast. Mm. He was even worried about making the commitment to develop himself on a weekly basis for that hour and a half to go, man, I'm not so sure I can step away from the business for an hour and wow. a half. Now you think about that. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And so I told him how much I appreciated his willingness to just share that open, openly. Mm. You know, I, I want to say this too, because I sometimes forget, forget to say this. There is a prevailing we'll just call it ethos out there. And I do not take a contrarian view of things just to be contradictory or to, you know, I don't, I don't, that's not who I am, but there are books out there and even messages that say, well, figure out what your strength is and just go do that. Just Mm -hmm. go do that. Well, let me share with you what I think a lot of entrepreneurs hear when they say, they say that they go, okay, so what am I good at? Sales business development, servicing the customers. I'll just go do more of that. Well, you do that, it begins to create this cycle that the business gets more and more dependent upon you because your ability to influence sales and and, and develop the company and grow the company, et cetera, makes it harder because you're saying, well, that's my strength. And that's mm-hmm. what I'm naturally gifted at. Does that make sense? It does. And I'm just thinking as as our listeners are listening into this, how how do you know that you have fallen into the rainmaker's trap? How do you how what's the what are the what's the sense or what are the things you notice if you're in that role? Yeah, I, I think a lot of people know it if they're if they're in that role. Number one, they they really are, they feel like there's not enough time in the day. That's number one. Yeah. Okay. That they uh they don't have time. They feel like they can't take a vacation without mm-hmm. bringing work to them. So I, I wish I had a picture. I've got a, in 2015, it's no joke, about three or four weeks before the story I told you about, I had a, I, I just created an Instagram account at that time. And I took a picture. I've got two, I'm at Disney with my family and it's early in the morning and I've got two computers up and I take a picture and in the caption on Instagram, it says, Better never stops even on vacation. That's what I wrote. Wow. Yeah. So you can see my mindset back then, even in that picture. And, you know, it's nobody's in the picture. I'm running a team meeting. I didn't think that my team could go a week without me running a team meeting from Disney versus me being on, you know, whatever at the Magic Kingdom with my kids. That's what I needed to be doing. And some weekly team meeting required me to run that over zoom while I'm at Disney. Like that's ridiculous. So if you can't take a vacation now, you know, some people will say, well, you got to be able to take four weeks off. Well, honestly, can you take, can you take a weekend off? Can you take a Friday, Saturday, Sunday and not do any work? That's number one, let alone take four weeks off. So if you can't take a vacation without any work, you feel like you don't have enough time 
in the day, enough hours in the day to be able to do it. Your to-do list continues to get longer and longer and longer. And then just some of, one of the things is um, revenue flatlines. You start to see like revenue is flatlining. We got it to 750 and we're just capped at that number. And unless you strategically want to get to, you know, just want to do that, then I think those are some of the signs that um, that you're, you know, in rainmaking mode and it's time to to make a change. So if 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 we have listeners in here listening in saying, yeah, I'm I'm there, <laughs> I'm a rainmaker, uh, I need to change. What are some of the steps to to shift over to that architect architect mode in 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 less of the I got to run everything day to day, but no, I want to build this business. What's that shift look like? What is what's the priorities for that uh, business leader? Yeah, really good question. So I'm going to give you, I'll give you like five key areas that I think a business, every business owner should consider. Okay, and I think that this will help them to kind of orientate um, uh, their thinking. So if I came into anybody's business, the very first question I would ask is, what are your priorities? Mm-hmm. What are your priorities? And so then I would just, and the reason I ask it using that language is I wouldn't say goals. We don't use goal goal language very often. There's a reason for that if we want to talk about that. But I would say, what are your priorities in the business? And then he or she would go through. And I will tell you, when usually when I ask that question, it's a bunch of generalized fluff. It's very, very rarely do I get, well, here's exactly what I'm trying to do in 2023. Here's what we're trying to build for, uh, over our three-year vision. And here's what I'm do, trying to do over the next 90 days. Almost never get that. Okay. It's a bunch of, oh, we're just trying to grow. We want to be better. I want to make a little bit more money. I want to take a little bit more time off. It's just generalized. Okay. So I'll ask, what are your priorities? Number two is I'll say, show me your calendar. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes I'll say, literally, let me see your calendar. And so then what I'll do is I'll say the last 90 days and then the 90 days upcoming very rarely are the things on their calendar, do they have anything to do? They don't relate to what you just said your priorities are. Mm. So I'll say, show me your, tell me your priorities. Then I'll say, show me your calendar. Number three is I'll then say, show me your scoreboard. So how are you actually keeping track of how you're doing? So you've said that this is what you want to accomplish. How are you keeping track of how you're doing with that? Number four is I'll sh- I'll ask, tell me about your team. Hmm. And I'll say, you know, trying to figure out, do they have a team of A players? So what? how are they going about attracting, developing, and retaining their A players? And then number five is then I'll say, what's your marketing and sales strategy? Mm-hmm. Tell me what your marketing and sales strategy is to actually make that happen. And then I'll give you a sixth, uh, kind of a bonus question. Um, what's your what's your plan to manage the cash? And so those five questions again are going to be, you know, what are your priorities in the business? Can you clearly articulate this is what we're trying to do over the next three years, this year, and over the next ninety days? Number two, how much control do you have over yourself, your own calendar, and what you should be your role in the business should be to accomplish those priorities? Number three, how are you keeping score? Number four, do you have a team of A players? And then number five, what's your marketing and sales strategies? And the kind of a bonus question, what's your plan to manage the cash in the business? We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. 
Leadership skills are like any other skills. You need to practice them to get better at them. Best-selling leadership author John S. Rennie knows this. That's why he's written a new book called You Have the Watch. It's a guided journal for leaders designed to take you through an entire year of leadership training. By the end of the year, you will master 50 of the most important leadership skills. If you want to have a greater impact on the results and people in your organization, go to youhavethewatch.com and pick up your copy today. This podcast is brought to you by Jeremy Clevenger Fitness. As a high-performing leader, you know that leadership isn't about telling people what to do. It's about leading by example. And for most people, the one area they are lacking when it comes to leading by example is their health and fitness. By improving your health and fitness, every other area of your life improves. But how do you get and stay fit as a busy leader? Well, you do what you've always done. You hire the best person for the job. Now, don't struggle on your own. Put Jeremy Clevenger on your team. Jeremy will work with you to help take your physique, mindset, nutritional habits, and more to the next level with his step-by-step, all-inclusive coaching program. Now, I've worked with Jeremy for the past year, and I'm in the best shape of my life. So if you want to step up your game, reach out to Jeremy at jeremyclevengerfitness.com to find out more and get your initial consultation scheduled with him today. This episode is brought to you by the Fraternity of Excellence. The Fraternity of Excellence is an online and real-world community for men who are looking to improve in all areas of their lives. The men of FOE are working together to become better husbands, fathers, and leaders at work and in their communities. They live by a simple philosophy, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Now, I've been a member for more than three years, and for me, I finally found a brotherhood of men that I was missing from my time in the military. Now, I love being around guys who are dedicated to becoming a better version of themselves. So if you're interested in becoming a man of excellence as well, go to fraternityofexcellence.com, or you can reach out directly to me to learn more. So to me, it seems like leadership plays a part in this getting away from being mm-hmm. a rainmaker and being an architect. You have to, you mentioned it, you have to have a team around you of A players that you can depend on, that you can uh, delegate to, that you can let go of tightly because you're you're talking about the rainmakers, tight, tight grip on everything. I have to hustle. I have to work hard. I have to work 24-7. I've got to work when I'm at Disney, right? Mm-hmm. Part of that is letting go and letting others who have strengths take over in some areas. Is that part of it? Is there a leadership element to this? There's a huge leadership element, but I want to share with you what I think uh, one of our core principles is lead yourself first. Yeah, actually, as much as I do believe that, yes, leadership and I geek out, I mean, my podcast is a leadership podcast, but I actually think the most selfless thing you can do is to lead yourself first. If you do not put your oxygen mask on first, if I had not put my oxygen mask on first in 2015, done the work, still doing the work to make myself better, I'm no good for my team. And so in other words, it's kind of a pointing inward, not beating myself up. I'm, it's not It's not about like beating myself up. It was saying, what do I need to do? I need to change and so I can be better for my team. The team is feeding off my energy and the energy I'm portraying out is I'm tired, exhausted, and frustrated. Well, good luck hitting your goals, if you want to use that word, when you're, when you're that way as the leader. It's just not going to happen. And so I think the person you need to lead the uh, first is yourself. 
It's interesting. We I've had other guests on the show um, talking about, you know, as a leader, you're on stage, you know, all the time. Everybody's watching. Like you said, your attitude is contagious. If you're frustrated, if you're burnt out, your your people are going to be frustrated and burnt out, right? Um, yeah. But but um, I have a good friend, uh, uh, John Brubaker, who says, you know, said to me on a podcast one time, it was really it really resonated. Is if you're going to be a leader, you're going to be on stage. You got to make sure the back of the stage is 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 in order, right? Yes. If if you've got you know chaos behind this the the uh, the the curtain, right? Uh, you're 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 out of shape. You have health problems. You um you've got high blood pressure. You're um you know you're you're working twenty four seven. You're you know you're addicted to your computer. You can't let go. All these things are like bad things in your backstage that's going to hurt your performance on the front of the stage. So you've got to lead yourself first. You got to get that backstage organized if you're going to be good on the stage. Is that a lot of what you're talking about? Yeah, it is. I think also I would just add to that, um, that I think ultimately if that, if that's the way the backstage looks, ultimately it makes its way to the front stage. Yeah. I think yeah. it does. I, I think, I think there's just no way that over a sustained period of time that that doesn't get shown. You know, and that's not to say we don't all have our, our have our messy drawers and things going on in our life. So I'm not saying it's got to be perfect by no stretch, nor is mine. But I do think that ultimately that nice restaurant I go to, if I walk back in the kitchen, I, I don't want to go back there and go, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. You know? like, <laughs> right. I mean, right. Sometimes when I my, my and I like Waffle House, too, but sometimes I'm like, ooh. You know what? I really don't want to sit there because I kind of see under where they cook. And I'm like, I really don't want to see that. You know, no yeah. offense to a Waffle House owner, you know, um, but like that's kind of an example. It's like, no, I really want the kitchen to look pretty well put together back there, too. I feel a little bit better with my <laughs> way my food is is being cooked. But, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I mean, I think Steve Jobs said that, you know, he wanted the inside of the phone to be as beautiful as the outside of the phone. They said, well, why? Nobody's going to see that. He said, yeah, but we'll know. Mm. Yeah, that's really good. What does it look like when a leader is leading uh, themselves well? I think there's a, uh, from me, it's been just a, and, and what we share with our business owners is a few kind of key leadership habits. So I think uh, getting an idea of what your ideal day uh, looks like based on your natural energy rhythms. I think that's number one. Um, I think number two, uh, the rhythm of your perfect repeatable week. Um, and knowing what that is. And so how do you not just structure your day, but how do you structure your week? Uh, I think it's uh, disciplines around uh, what we call Sunday night planning. We think Sunday night is the is is the best night. What we have found uh, for business owners to 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 plan and kind of plan out their week. I mean, there's really three different times to do that Friday afternoon, Monday morning or Sunday evening. And for most people, Sunday evening, we encourage you to take off all day on Saturday completely as much as possible. 90% of the day on Sunday. And by the time you get to Sunday evening, a lot of the, um, you know, people we work with are, they're excited about, about the week ahead mm -hmm. and using that 30 minutes to an hour, uh, to really plan out your week is, a, is a really, um, uh, a big discipline, but, um, th those are some of the really key things. And so what's your ideal day look like? What's a, a perfect repeatable week look like for you? And then installing the discipline of, um, a Sunday night planning. Those are, those are three big ones. Interesting. So do you, when going back to the leading others side of it, um, 
is it is it we work with other when you're working with these owners is it that we have to have this discussion about letting go of some of the activities that you're doing do in in questioning do is this is this function something that the owner should be doing or can that can others take over that task is when when you're looking at somebody's day for example are you finding areas where they their tasks that should be delegated but they just haven't they just hold on to it too tightly is that part of that discussion it is i mean there's always uh, everybody you know that there's a whole discussion we can have around (laughs) delegation but you know for sure um yes so it's not always in the same sequence for any business owner for every business owner i want to be clear about that so in other words it's not just to say, okay, the very first thing everybody should offload is business development, as an example. And then the next thing is this. But I will tell you, one of the things I think absolutely makes the, I can tell you that I feel like is universal, is getting past the idea of having or you know the uncomfortableness that a business owner has about getting an EA, getting an executive assistant mm-hmm. at 10 to 15 hours a week, you would be blown away about what they can do for you working 10, 15, 20 hours a week, because there's so much admin crap that just is you're doing that you just don't even realize. And so I wish so much, I wish so bad that early on, earlier on, the very first move I would have made was an EA, but I struggled with the idea of like, who might have an executive assistant? Like I, that was hard for me Yeah. versus realizing, and I'll tell you a term that we use um, often is, is a growth assistant. If you want to grow the business and you want to grow, then don't call them an EA, call them a growth assistant. And that switch alone has made business owners go, oh, well, yeah, I definitely want a growth assistant. There's no question about it, you know? And so some of them get hung up on the fact of like, well, I'm, I'm not worthy of having an executive assistant, you know? And there's that that stigma around that. Um, but I do believe that um, if you hire someone to be able to take some of the administrative, administrative things off of you, you can begin to unravel that web of all the things that you're doing. And then I think what happens is when they start to realize, oh, well, that person is actually better at that than me. Oh, that that is better. It begins to kind of unravel that way. Now we can really get focused on your, as Dan Sullivan says, your unique ability or your unique contribution to the uh, organization. Okay. Well, good. As I, as I hear this as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, I'm I feel better about myself because I'm no I definitely don't fall in the rainmaker camp. So I've definitely uh, don't have those a lot of those stressors. I, I'm a big delegator, and I have a team around a team of A players around me, so it makes my life a lot easier. So I definitely feel good about not being in that camp. So if I've learned one thing on this uh, on this episode, so. Um, so that's good, but I can see that there's probably areas where I could still improve and I can, you know, I need to, like you say, take a look at my day, look at my week, where am I spending my efforts, you know, and I think uh, you can really learn a lot. I do have an assistant, which that does help uh, quite a bit to unload a lot of that uh, admin, you know, busy work type stuff that really we shouldn't be working on, right? We should have somebody there to help us. Absolutely. Yep. Growth, yep. but I don't call her, I don't call her a growth assistant, but I think I will. <laughs> Yeah. I like that a well, lot. I mean, I, I think, uh, and hey, kudos to you to be able to to not be in that camp um, and for you to have been able to build a team of A players around you and for you to be able to have the trust to say, 
actually, no, I'm going to, I'm I'm not going to just white grip the entire business myself or no, white knuckle no, no. The, the business myself and be able to actually trust people. That doesn't come easy for everybody. Mm. And the, a lot of people we work with, they feel like the more that they have control over it, the more that they're going to be able to grow it. And the reality is, no, you're, it's the opposite. You're, it's yeah. just totally the opposite it's of the it. The opposite, yeah. So you you lead a podcast uh, called the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. Tell us a little bit about that podcast and what you do on that show. Yeah, so we do three episodes a week, Monday, Wednesday, uh, Friday. Monday's our interview uh, uh, interview podcast, kind of like this. On Wednesdays, we do some fireside chats, kind of some back-end, uh, more financial stuff for business owners. And then on Fridays, I do solo episodes. I talk for eight to 12 minutes about uh, a topic around uh, business and entrepreneurship. And so, yeah, we've had it for a little over three years and and really enjoy uh, enjoy the podcast. And so, yeah, encourage people to go and check out the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. Okay, very good. And it's on all the podcast channels and everything. Oh, yeah, it is on Spotify, Apple, Google, all, all of them. Okay, excellent. So, uh, we'll, and we'll, we'll go ahead and put a link in the show notes for that, the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. And it's good to know. Again, um, I like what what you're doing, helping those, those small business owners taking, you know, you know, understanding what they need to do from a leadership perspective is is fantastic. And I, and I really uh, support what you're doing there. We need more and more uh, resources like that for for small business owners. I think it's a big thing or a good thing. So um, what what message would you le- want to leave with our audience? You know, you talk a lot about sort of making that transition from uh, the rainmaker to the architect. Um, you know, we talked about self-leadership. We talked about building a team of A players. What message you want to leave with, uh, with, the, with the leaders that are listening in today? <laughs> it's going to sound kind of negative at first, but I mean, hang with me on this. Business is hard and it gets harder. The yeah. further you want to go, the faster you want to get there, the more the de- more difficult the demands and the and the challenges that is that you're going to face. And I think you need to surround yourself with a community of like-minded business owners um, that are trying to do the exact same things. Business um, leadership can be very lonely at times, can be very isolating and um uh, you will, won't be able to open up and share with people kind of the struggles that you may have, the insecurities that you may have. And I just really encourage people um, to do that. Uh, I think, you know, pretty much everybody we work with is, you know, less than $2 million in top line revenue team of, you know, two to 12 people, which fits right in there in that Rainmaker uh, uh, mode often. And uh, look, 96% of small businesses never see their 10th birthday. And of those that survive, 96% of them don't cross a million dollars in top line revenue. Mm. Business is really hard. Okay. This stuff is hard. And the more, I think it's actually healthy and refreshing for us to accept that and say, oh, well, these messages of like, oh, it's easy. You just do this and you just do this and you just do this. I don't think it's healthy because I think it helps. It gives this false impression of like, oh, entrepreneurship is great. I'm just going to be Mark Cuban. When you don't actually know all the failures Mark Cuban has had along the way as an example, right? And I love Shark Tank and all that, but like not every one of them is a home run. And so realizing that this is really, really hard. And if you've made that leap to become an entrepreneur, business owner, uh, founder of a company, that it's not going to be easy. And if we accept that, we can begin to do certain things to bend the odds in our favor. I love that. I love that so much. I hate seeing like on Instagram, whatever. It's like the guy with the private jet and the fancy car and it says hustle underneath it. It's like, I, I've been, no. I've been hustling since for seven years now. So no, I hate no, that stuff. No. So yeah, no, yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's, I agree. Not, it's not hustle. It's, it's, it's hard work. It takes a lot of effort and you have to, 
I think you're right. You have to lead yourself first. You've got to be able to be in, in, a, in a position where you can help others because That's right. it is difficult. And if you're if you're personally stressed uh, to the max, uh, you're, you've got stress in your family, stress in your marriage, stress in your body, you're not going to last long in this business. Totally. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Absolutely. Well, this has been, Bradley, this has been fantastic. How can people find out more about uh, about you, your company, and things that you offer? Yeah, so uh, we'll point them to um, the RainmakersDilemma.com. We've got like, a, a quick assessment there that they can take. It's about 40 questions, take you less than five minutes to get through. And we'll just give you a score across kind of five key principles. And we'll give you some tips about how to transition from being the Rainmaker to the architect of your business and give you even a, a lot of people have shared with us just the questions themselves make them go, huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, maybe I need to consider that, you know, because it dives into a few of the things that we didn't have time to to touch on today. So go to the RainmakersDilemma.com and they can connect with me on LinkedIn and Twitter. Well, fantastic. We're going to put links to, to that resource as well as the Club Capital Leadership Podcast uh, in the show notes. Uh, Bradley, thanks for coming on the show and sharing uh, this this important information, especially uh, uh, for those business owners that are listening in and, and are stressed uh, and they don't know how to find the next level. Well, maybe you, you're in the Rainmaker's Dilemma. Maybe it's time yeah. to change. Awesome. Well, John, I appreciate the opportunity. Well, thanks again. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share so we can continue to build a world with better bosses. Until next time, this is John Rennie saying take care and lead well. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all you do. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information and updates, please visit our website at www.deepleadershippodcast.com or johnsrenny.com. Until next time, take care. Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement, inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on Electricast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. Electricast. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. We're the founders of Electricast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electricast networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the best business network, and GPN for geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So, keep listening to Electricast podcasts and hear the culture. Electricast.